ora, tenakota katoa. Welcome to Emirates Podcast, episode 407. Today is Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. This is sort of a catch-up episode because so much has been going on, including with me, but also things that have delayed this episode because the story kept changing rapidly even, much to my surprise. And that's where I'm going to start today. This episode, it's not unusual for me to record an episode several times, to do several different versions before I finally finalize an episode. And this is an unusually tortured path to get to this episode. I first recorded on November 22nd. And at that time, I was going to be mocking the fact that the the coalition negotiations were taking so long. And I stopped and went to have my dinner, and I watched the evening news, and it turned out they said that they were just about done with the negotiations. And I thought, okay, well, then, yeah. And then they also reported later that the coalition negotiations were completed, and they just had some details to work out. And so then I thought, okay, fine, I'll re-record the next day, the, the um, what was that, 22nd, 23rd, 23rd. And so I went to do that, and then they said that, uh, same scenario, I stopped and went to have my dinner, and they said in the evening news that it had all been done and dusted, and they were going to sign the coalition agreement the next day. So I thought, well, I have to wait and see what happens with all that if it actually happens. So I didn't record, and then the next week I was busy with things, and I didn't get a chance to record again until Friday the 1st, but I wasn't able to finish that because of all the other things I was doing. And so here we are. Now, when I stopped at the end of November, the reason was because I wasn't clear exactly what was going on. I mean, nobody was. It's not just me. It, we now know that the holdup was over who was going to be deputy prime minister. And what they decided to do is to job share it. Uh, Winston Peters, who's the head of the populist right-wing New Zealand First Party, would be the deputy prime minister for the first 18 months of the of the government's term and then david seymour the leader of the hard right act party libertarian ish act party would be the deputy prime minister for however long the government continues before the election up to 18 months but quite frankly probably less anyway that's what they came up with and winston hates it if you call it job share if you say that they're um sharing the role or whatever, even though they clearly are. Winston is grumpy under the best of circumstances, to be fair. So that's where, that's what the holdup apparently was. And once we started getting details of the coalition agreement, we found out the extent to how far right this government is going. The fact that the, the, the coalition government, the Three Ring Circus, the Coalition of Chaos, pick the name you like, was going to dump our smoke-free legislation made headlines around the world. And the, the reason this is just so bizarre is because they claim that they want to continue to reduce smoking. And um, the, the, the finance minister said that it was about tax, which is what I thought all along and what I would say the vast majority of clear-thinking New Zealanders also thought. Chris Luxon denied that. And he said it was about preventing the formation of a black market in tobacco. Okay, why would there suddenly be a black market when there never has been before? Because the people, part of the, one of the core aspects of the legislation was that there was going to be a sinking lid, I guess you would call it, on two things, on the number of places where tobacco products could be sold, 
but also that anyone who was born in 2009 or later would never be able to buy, legally able to buy tobacco products. Now, in fact, the smoking rates among young people in particular, but all New Zealanders, have been de declining for many, many years. So there wasn't going to be this huge unmet demand for tobacco products that a black market would have to deliver. So this seemed like a really bizarre thing to be saying. And then he made it worse. He was in Northland, which um, is the the sliver of the upper the tippy tip of the North Island. And he was saying that there was going to be one retailer of tobacco products, there would have been one retailer of tobacco products in all of Northland. That would have meant that there would have been a black market and gang activity and all this other stuff. Only trouble is that wasn't even remotely true. I think there was going to be 60 from memory or 30 or 60, something like that. Anyway, it wasn't just one. And when their leader of the house, it's called, was on the our, our public affairs interview program that Sunday, he said um, that was his understanding and the host, Jack Tame, pointed out that no, in fact, in the legislation, it clearly says that there's going to be this number of, of outlets. Well, my understanding was it was going to be one. They finally, to their credit, on Monday of this week, they admitted that they got it completely wrong. And they didn't apologize for spreading that, mind you, but they did admit that they got it wrong. So progress, I guess. But it's, it's about tax. It's always been about money. And that's all. They don't really want to reduce smoking, despite the fact that the, the, the Chris Luxon keeps saying that's what he wants. He clearly doesn't. He wants the tax revenue because he he's, wants to fund these tax cuts for the wealthy. And the only way he can do that is by dramatically cutting public services, which he didn't campaign on, or find other tax revenue. And one of those will be smoking. He's also decided that he is going to allow oil and gas exploration off New Zealand's coast again, and I think on land too. I'm not sure about that part, which the previous government had ended. And it was part of our, our commitment to fighting climate change, which this government is no longer committed to, despite their rhetoric to the contrary. But it's the war on Maori in particular that is particularly egregious. The uh, Winston who is Māori, as I've said before, ran a blatantly racist campaign against Māori. He was trying, what he was trying to do was tap into the hatred in, of a certain segment of far-right people in New Zealand, who we call the cookers, people who believe in conspiracy theories and nonsense and all that other stuff, misinformation, disinformation, which they gleefully spread. And what he wanted was an English-only rule so that all government agencies and departments would have to be named only in English. What he got was that was what Chris Luxon wanted, which is that the it would be switched so that English would always have to be first and then Māori could be second, but only second, unless it was an agency that dealt specifically with Māori or had to do with a treaty settlement or something like that. So these rare exceptions. One of the things that's always annoyed me about Chris Luxon on this issue is he treats us like we're all simpletons and idiots because he kept saying, well, people don't know what this is. Waka kotahi. People don't, don't, don't know what that is. And I thought, the hell they don't. If you, Waka kotahi is also known as the New Zealand Transport Agency. That's its English name. And anyone who registers a car, who gets a driver's license, who um, pays a road user charge for uh, diesel vehicles, has to deal with this agency. They know damn well what it is. 
I find it insulting, condescending, and utterly dismissive of the intelligence of ordinary New Zealanders to suggest that they can't get what an agency's name is. However, I think what's really going on here is that... I warned about this. I don't think I, I did so publicly, but I certainly I alluded, it, alluded to it on my blog once. Part of what has gone wrong is that there was a widespread adoption of te reo Māori in a lot of different areas. It leads the evening newscast. It's uh, weathercasters will um, state the, the Māori name of a place as well as the English name and so on. And of course, all of these agencies adopting Māori names. And there's a certain segment of New Zealand who are generally white, let's be honest here, and generally old, or my age probably, or older, who don't understand te reo, and it scares them. The comfortable world that they thought New Zealand was is changing, and they don't like it. It's the same as you see in many countries where the white majority doesn't like the fact that the non-white minorities, or even it's not just about race, also about gender and sexuality and so on, that they're beginning to be treated seriously by government and being able to be represented and to have their say and so on. They don't like that sort of thing. They want it to go back the way it used to be in those good old days. And so that's really what's been going on. Now, the le the leader of the hard right ACT Party wanted a referendum. He wanted to have a law defining what the treaties, the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi are, because it was mentioned in a lot of laws. He wanted a law defining those principles that would then be put to an, a referendum. And the problem with that is it would be this unrelenting racist campaign. There would be violence in the streets if that went through. And Chris Luxon backed down on that. He said he would support their bill through the first reading and only the first reading. And hopefully a majority of parliament will vote against the idea of a referendum because if there is a referendum, there will be blood in the streets. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Between Māori, who feel like they're under attack now, and I think rightfully so, and the the um, neo-fascist right who want to wipe out Māori, figuratively if not literally, it's going to be nothing but chaos and trouble if that happens. I don't think it will. I really sincerely do not think it will. If Chris Luxon has any sense, if he wants even to have a ghost of a chance of a second term, he will have to have his, his caucus vote in unison against it. So that's the backdrop of everything that's going on. It's, it's a time of intense turmoil. It's only been a couple of weeks since all of this began, and it's already been a very unpleasant time. And today, well, yesterday was the commission opening of parliament, which is when the governor general sends uh, a commission to formally call parliament and then they delegate to the clerk of the house, or as it's said here, the clerk of the house, to swear in the MPs. Then when they're sworn in, they, their next job is to select a speaker who is nominated by the government of the day, who, and it's always approved, so far anyway. And then the, the speaker has to go to the governor general for the governor general to um, affirm it or some such term. I can't remember what it's called. Then today, the next day, was the state opening of parliament. And what happens is that the, the members of parliament assemble in the debating chamber and the governor general comes and goes to the legislative council chamber, which... Used it was the the room that the upper house of the parliament met in until 1951 when it was abolished. We only have a, 
we have a what's called unicameral legislature, one house parliament. The um, governor general directs the usher of the black rod, they're called, to go and summon the members of the house. Because under tradition, the monarch or the monarch's representative, which is what the governor general is, never enters the debating chamber. I'm not quite sure why that started. Probably has something to do with Cromwell and, and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> but she is a she right now. Marches over to the door of the of the debating chamber, is given this big black dowel stick thing, and um, they pound on the door three times. The sergeant of arms or somebody orders the door to be open and the gates to be opened. The gates are symbolic. They're these brass rods that are closed across the doorway to have a symbolic barrier. And then the usher of the black rod marches to the to the well of the house, faces the speaker, and says that the governor general commands the attendance of the of the um, members of parliament. And then they all file out of the debating chamber and into the legislative council chamber, where the governor general reads the speech from the throne. Now, this is just like what happens in the UK parliament, where the reigning monarch reads the speech from the throne. It's written by the government of the day and lays out their legislative agenda for that parliament which in, in New Zealand is a three-year term. And when I watch it, I always think to myself, surely there are parts of this that the governor general must think are bullshit, but they they can't, of course, let on. They have to be completely um, bland, really. And I noticed that she, she read it in a very, it was a very even tone. It wasn't exactly monotone, but it was a very even tone without giving undue stress to any words or phrases or so on, just very matter-of-factly read. I don't know what her personal views are on a lot of issues, but I can just imagine what it must have been. But there were some surprises in the speech from the throne. Among other things, they announced that they are going to repeal the legislation which forbids the use of genetically modified organisms in New Zealand. It's been in place for since the early 2000s, and that is something they did not campaign on. <laughs> Now, I don't have a strong feeling either way about it. The The point really is that if they were going to make this one of their priorities, surely they should have said something in the campaign that they were going to do that. I don't know where that came from. I don't know which party pushed it. It could have been national. It could have been, well, any one of them, really. But they have a lot of things it's too complicated to go into right now that are targeting Māori in particular and also working people and several other things that that struck me as being really bad news for anyone who's not rich and white. So we shall see. I could be wrong. I don't know how much I'm going to be talking about this in the future because I suspect it's probably going to be a lot of just more, oh, here they go again kind of things. And I'll probably talk about it more in my blog than I do here. And so, I mean, you can always go to amarins.blogspot.com if you want to see what I'm saying. But I doubt very much that I'm going to be talking all that much about them going forward, unless they do something really, really awful or something good, because you never know, they might. I mean, it's unlikely, <laughs> but they might. So it's all, the show's all underway now. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting however long this government lasts. I don't think it's going to go three years. I think it will probably be two in a bit at most, but we'll see. I, I really have no idea. I should say also that I was right about two things. I said that Winston was going to prevent an, a uh, prevent the government from raising the retirement age, and I was right. It will stay at 65. Winston is 78, I believe it is. I'm pretty sure. 
And the other thing is that Winston killed off Luxon's plans to allow foreigners to buy homes over $2 million, which he was going to tax at 15%. And that is why he needs the tax revenue from cigarettes, because he's lost that 15% tax he thought he was going to get to help pay for his, his tax cuts for better off earners. Elections have consequences. Anyway, back to me, because I'm the most important subject, obviously. <laughs> I have been extraordinarily busy lately. Last week, I was out every single day, which is why I didn't have a chance to to record. I had a follow-up dentist appointment. Sorry, I had a dentist appointment last Wednesday, I think it was. And oh, there's a whole story about that. I'll put a link to a blog post about it. Basically, I thought it was December 8th, and it was actually not. <laughs> so uh, fortunately they sent me a text to let me know and so I went to that they found a, a pocket a deep pocket and a tooth that hadn't had a pocket before so I had the follow-up for that um, yesterday no Monday and that's actually fine the dentist thinks it's just part part of my gum disease and is, is not a problem with that particular tooth but we'll keep an eye on it and I'm seeing the hygienist again in six months so we'll see so that was that and then Thursday, um, we all went out to family members' birthday party. And then Friday, we were celebrating my niece's birthday. And then Saturday, I went with my brother-in-law and his partner just for a ride out to Raglan to have a look there, we'll go around the, the shops. Uh, Raglan is on the west coast of New Zealand, sort of west-ish of Hamilton. It's on the Tasman Sea. They have it's a it's a coastal community, but its its harbor is really quite sheltered and protected. And they have a lot of art galleries and, and um, artisan shops and things like that. There's, it's a really interesting place to visit. And I'd gone there with my cousin-in-law three years ago. And this is the first time I've been back. And it was, it was really nice. It was a nice day. But apart from that, it had been pretty much quiet until today. I went shopping. I had some things I had to do related to Christmas, mostly. And I will talk about that in future episodes. Not Actually, not the trip so much. I'll probably blog about it at some point. If I do it before I post this episode, then I will include a link to that as well. But there, I bought myself a Christmas present, which I will be talking about more in future. But for today, that's it. We finally have a government installed and up and running and now responsible for everything, including mistakes. And there will be some. <laughs> but that's it for today. I'll talk to you soon. Kakete no. Bye. You can comment on this or any episode of the Airman's Podcast at airmanspodcast.com, where you can also leave a voice message. You can visit and comment on the Airman's Facebook page, or you can email me with or without a voice message at amarins at gmail.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Pride 48 Network and is produced and distributed under Creative Commons license. Complete details at the website. <laughs>